Welcome to this Strengthening Families and Communities Forum on today, um, May 29th, 2022. Um, so grateful you could join. Well, next up, um, we have yours truly. So here's my premise. So to break the generational cycle of outside of wedlock birth, we need a revolution of absence-centered education. Parents should present the expectation of sexual absence before marriage to their children, regardless of whether or not they abstain. They should think about what is best for their children's future and speak honestly about their own situation. School and community-based programs such as urban life training can back up parents in making this revolution. In one generation, this can break the cycle of outside of wedlock births and all of the related personal and societal consequences. So this is an interesting story. So in ja January, 2021, I went to uh, testify at our local board of education. I heard they were approving a new sex education, two new curricula for middle and high school. So I wanted to review that or have them review it. And I did a little research about it and was talking about the importance of absence-centered education in my uh, brief testimony. So then one of the health teachers got up and gave comments. So I'm actually going, it's, it's this guy in the lower left of the screen. So I'm going to play what he said. Hopefully you can hear it okay. Um, Willie Belmonte, Jefferson High School. Um, I just wanted to address some of the misconceptions that came out earlier, even even with the idea of not adopting the full textbook, um, we have been teaching abstinence in this state for the better part of the last 50 years, and yet we remain in the lower 45, uh, or the if 45 ranked or lower every year in teenage pregnancy. Um, so that's just not working. Um, biology overtakes, it doesn't matter. Um, your religion or your teachings at home at some point biology overtakes um the nature the nurture nature overcomes nurture um dr raul gupta who was the former commissioner of the west virginia dhhr uh says that it's critical that we should have proper education provided to teens of childbearing age so that they don't suffer the same health and economic and social consequences so the idea that if we strictly teach um, abstinence, things will get better is, is unequivocally false. Also coming from, uh, this is my first year here in Jefferson County, despite having graduated here, I started my teaching career in Frederick, Maryland. Maryland, much more progressive in the state standards as far as um, pregnancy and um, teaching contraceptive as young as the eighth grade, um, which even then, statistics show us may be a little late to be teaching, but Maryland, um, as opposed to West Virginia in terms of state uh, teen birth rate is, is halved. There's just no reason to still be in this ancient way of thinking that we shouldn't be teaching anything but abstinence because it's just not feasible. Oh, by the way, I've looked at the West Virginia standards and they don't if they don't have absence center education, it's just mentioned that that's one of the options you should teach, which is a far cry. But anyway, so that that health teacher objected to my comments, 
And then, very interestingly, then that very same guy, as you see here, was arrested. He actually, the guy who objected to my testimony, was having sex with a 70-year-old student. And, of course, he was fired, and I think he's pending his trial. So how crazy is that? So, I mean... (laughs) I mean, that is really crazy. And it says, I want to read one comment one of the uh, Board of Education members made. School board member Donna Joy has called on Superintendent Bonnie Shea Gibson Gibson learned to have an independent investigation conducted into what Joy described as a permissive supervisory environment at Jefferson High over the past several years. The investigation, Joy said, should examine whether the school had lax leadership that fostered other improper relationships between teachers and students. Joy taught math at Jefferson High for 2012-2019. In a phone interview, Joy said she first reported Zyler, that's another guy a couple years earlier, who also was, was arrested for having sex with a student, reported Zyler's suspiciously inappropriate behavior with students. She also reported other instances of what she considered inappropriate staff interactions with students. She said that her reports were not taken seriously or adequately looked into. She also maintained that the school's loose supervision led to at least five instances where students were caught having sex during a school-wide lunch period called Cougar Hour. Wow. So, I mean, if that isn't a wake-up call for needing to have, you know, directive types of education in our schools, I don't know what, what is. But interestingly, although I did write a letter to editor and they had a pretty good write-up, this write-up here, it's not received nearly as much attention as I think it should. I mean, like, why are these kind of things happening? And how ironic and not coincidental that this is the very guy who was objecting to my comments <laughs> about absence-centered education is having sex with students. I mean, that's too crazy. This is my premise that I just mentioned, and I'd like to uh, share a few of the um, like slides from some of the materials we use. But I mean, parents, of course, are the ones who should promote it the most. I think the idea that, you know, in my experience, the parents overwhelmingly support absence center education, and that means not just mentioning the absence is a good choice or is a choice. And by the way, oftentimes absence isn't even defined properly if it is mentioned, you know, but meaning absence from all sexual activity. But that that's what students should do and parents should be honest enough, whether even if they didn't follow that themselves to know and tell their children that that's the right standard. So I think that that's where it has it should start, and then other you know programs like ours can back that up. I don't see how else we're going to break this uh, generational cycle. But let's look a couple at a couple of this uh, kind of materials. So we we talk about uh, achieving true freedom by really being free to accomplish your goals. You know, not taking shortcuts like using you know drugs or trying to appear mature by you know having sexual relationships. We do talk about the actual consequences that can happen. Like this chart shows the stages of HIV disease, you know, that you can't really tell if someone has HIV. And then after like two to seven years, then they could start 
having symptoms like weight loss, diarrhea, fatigue, fever, night sweats, swollen lymph nodes, and develop AIDS after 10 years on average. So, you know, I emphasize, you know, if you're looking at someone, can you tell if they have HIV or AIDS? No, no, you can't tell. We do do some reality-based slides. Like that's a, a uterus infected with, um, this a woman has chlamydia and the cervix is all infected and pussy. So about 50% of, um, there's a 50% chance of getting infected. You know, if you ha have a, 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 a sexual encounter and someone has chlamydia, you know, you, you could be infected. So that's a really high, high chance. Causes painful pee, itching, discharge. Often it's invisible, but without treatment, it can cause pelvic inflammatory disease. Teenage girls have a higher risk than older women. So then, I, and then that can lead to infertility. So I ask, you know, well, what does it mean not to, to be infertile? So someone, will, you know, will answer, you know, well, can't have children. And actually, every day in the United States, 35,000 teens, young adults are infected with a sexually transmitted disease. And that includes 10,000 teenagers. At first, when I heard that, I didn't think that was right. I thought 10,000 teenagers get infected every day. But yes, it is. Sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia are very easily transmitted. So that's, that's a sobering. This is a really interesting chart linked by affection and infection. It shows this is a chart where an actual high school in the Midwest did a like survey where students could anonymously log in and report their like romantic and sexual encounters. And he found out that in this school that 288 students represented by the blue dots for boys and the pink dots for girls were all related together or how do you say linked together because there were interrelated sexual relationships. So like if this one girl on the bottom here, she had one relationship with this guy but he had a relationship with this girl and this boy had a relationship with this girl and so on. So even if they only had one sexual encounter, they were linked to 287 other people. So do you think like at the school, they knew that they were linked to all those other people? No, obviously. So that is crazy. So even if any one of these people had some kind of disease, it could be passed along. And about half of the students weren't sexually active, so they're not on this chart at all. So that, you know, can break this chain. What about condoms? Do they provide good protection against STDs? They provide about 80% risk reduction for HIV, around half, 50% risk reduction for gonorrhea, chlamydia, general herpes, HPV, and syphilis. So like if you're going uh, take a ride somewhere in a car, if there's like a 20 to 50% chance you'll never arrive at your destination, are you gonna like take that transportation? I don't think so. I mean, that's an extremely high risk of getting a disease which even could be affect you and even cause serious issues or possibly death in, in some cases like HIV slash AIDS. This is an interesting activity we do. So we have this, uh, have the uh, youth have an um, opportunity to do a role play. So we'll um, have them come up, a girl and a boy volunteer, 
you know, giving their response to the um, different uh, peer pressure lines. I love you. Don't you love me? Most of these the girls will say the ones in the bubble, but some that we have it the reverse. If you love me, you'd respect me. I don't need to prove my love. I can't stop. I don't think you'll be so turned on if I get pregnant and you have to support a baby in high school. Come on, everybody's doing it. Not with me. I'm not everybody. You can trust me. I do trust you to stop pressuring me. So, and we have several others too. So that gives, you know, a chance for um, practicing refusal skills. And of course, we have other activities and we have peer counseling where that's what the peer counselors learn and then teach the other students. Teen drinking leads to 60% of teen STD infections. So, um, you know, we ask, why do you think that is? Well, you know, because inhibitions are reduced, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really concerning statistic, obviously. A lot of sexual encounters involve alcohol. So, and we turn more in uh, the second presentation we have, and again, there's just a couple slides I pulled out, you know, toward love and relationships. So we all desire love, but does everybody lasting love, I should say, achieve, achieve that. And we talk about, you know, what, what kind of things you need to do to have successful and healthy relationships. So this slide talks about, for instance, what do women seek for in a man? College women choose one, good character, two, emotional stability and maturity, three, positive outlook and optimism, as the most important a potential mate. And that's more important than large income or good looks. One in two boys say they have never really thought about what my life would be like if I got someone pregnant as a teen. And similar for girls, about 40% haven't thought about what it'd be like if they got pregnant. Well, what does it mean? Someone might say, I love you, but what does that really mean? I love you, being in love for now, it's with you. I love you, your body, as long as you're not pregnant. I love you as long as you give me what I want. I love you until someone else better comes along. I love you, your bling bling, popularity, fame, clothes, money. Is that real love? No. So we also talk in another slide about, you know, what, what about loving you for your personality, your heart, you know, your kindness and those kind of things. So, you know, get, try to, um, you know, get the youth thinking about what is important. Love is honest. Ask yourself, is this really in the best long-term interest of the one I love? If you're not willing to ask this question, don't say you love someone. Maybe you're infatuated. You just want to have a relationship with them, sexual relation, but don't call it love. If you're not thinking about, you know, what's best for them. So there is, is a reason and a place, you know, where children are provided with the most support and stability. And that is marriage. And that's why, and it's the place that's best for children to grow in a safe environment where there are two parents who love each other and love their children. So we see here, you know, marriage represented in, or different marriage in different cultures and each 
and every culture throughout the world, you know, recognize the importance of having that safe and stable environment for children to grow up in and to provide that safe environment. This is a success formula. If you graduate from high school, get a full-time job and wait until 21 and married before having children, there is very little risk that you and your children will live in poverty, about 2%. But if you don't graduate from high school and do any of these things, then, or don't get a full-time done, don't, don't wait and, until you're married, then there's a 74% chance that your children and you will experience poverty. So that's very striking. That's very striking, obviously, statistics right there. I mean, even just this simple thing of waiting until you're married, you know, that's, that's a huge difference. And in my personal experience, like working with like over like 3,000 DC youth in presentations and about 200 in clubs that we, you know, provided for youth at different schools or organization, then a lot of youth, they, they haven't really thought through or about these kind of issues, you know, because they don't know anyone who's married or it's not common in you know, perhaps their own parents aren't married in many instances. So it, it's certainly good to discuss these issues and, you know, set the standard uh, for the, our youth. And, um, you know, what used to be commonplace even in, you know, the 90s, you know, that school-aged children shouldn't be having sex, even that now in the last couple of decades has been altered a lot in the sense that you see this this uh, push for all these like sexualized um, introduction of different curricular so-called comprehensive sex ed, you know, where they're talking about things to very young children and even now putting in all the LGBTQ stuff, not good. So this is some of the youth we worked with from uh, Eastern Teen High School. The young lady in the middle, she's married now and has children. She was uh, like Miss District of Columbia, Rita Sinha. And those are some of the other uh, youth, Milton and Lakia and Nicole, Melvin. Yeah, so those who pledge to delay sex through making a pledge, and we offer the students, you know, who we give the, um, who are in the program, if they're a peer counselor, they have to make a pledge, but also we ask, other students, they'd like to make a pledge to stay absent before marriage and stay absent from drugs and alcohol. Uh, studies show that they delay sex 27 months longer and they're more likely to graduate from high school, college and make more money. That's a good thing. And then they can take the pledge home. You know, we give it to them, they can sign it and um, give them a copy to take home and share with their parents. What if you've already had sex? Well, six in 10 sexually active teens regretted it and wish they'd waited. 85% of teens believe sex should occur only in long-term relationships. Many have chosen to stop. So you can be a secondary virgin. And that, that of course, is a good thing. You know, from this point on, you can decide, you know, not to have sex until you're married. 
This is Charnetta Tyler on the left. Now David, her husband's name is Khalid David. We were at her, she invited her wedding. That was in 2016. So she uh, was in her program at Eastern High School. She did go to Harvard and she kept her goal. So it is doable. And those, we can have these kind of positive, you know, impacts on, on you know, young people. You know, I just think we need to, um, I'd like to get other people's feedback. Uh, and I'll go back to my premise at the beginning there. On this kind of goal, I think, you know, I, I believe that this is something we should really be talking about everywhere and not just talking about, but of course, if you're a parent, you know, have confidence with your child to tell them this. I mean, you might need to have a moment of truth if that's not what you've been doing, but still, why not? I mean, all the parents I know, like the parents of this, like youth in our program, they want to, they want their child to succeed. They're, they don't want to, you know, tell them to be sexually active. So that being the case, you know, maybe there'll have to be some moment of truth, you know, about their past, but that's something I think we need to do. And like, um, you know, Michael was saying earlier, think about what's best for the children. Um, we could turn, turn around the generational cycle and, um, you know, and this, you know, uh, the irony, like of that guy, uh, the te teacher there who was having sex with the students, you know, I mean, who wants to not support absence center education? Well, in this case, is a guy is actually having sex with the students. I mean, of course, that's what parents want, you know, so you have to ask the question, who doesn't want that? You know, if they have a good character, they're going to want that. I'd like to conclude with the words of some of the students, teachers, and parents who participate in the Urban Life Training and Reality Assessment Program. Once you make that move or make that, that mistake, it's constantly on your mind. Um, if you don't even go down that road or go down that road, then it's nothing to think about. The reason I joined this program is because in my past, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. And one telling the if a girl tell you that she's pregnant, man, right now, that's the that's the worst news you can have, man. I had that before and I'm just trying to start over. It's it's like making sexual abstinence work, you know, giving you something to do other than being on the streets or being places that that you don't need to be in negative places so that um you know, you can basically have something to do, you won't have sex on your mind and you can be taught from um, different people. I think this is, if we can make this program across the board, even as far as trying to uh, have it as part of the curriculum, in all DC public schools, it will do tremendous justice for the students, not only uh, for the benefit of the students, but for the whole community and the school.
So I'm really uh, grateful to to see what Ultra Teen Choice is teaching here because they are laying out a very positive kind of program for young people that's that's really uh, asking them to see the best about their lives. I wish that I have had a program like this one when I was a teenager because it I think that this program not only encourages you to wait but also teaches you morals. Anyway, I'd like to get any um, like comments about this premise here, and I, I just am passionate about it. That's why we've been doing like each quarter now. We're having these workshops about the absence-centered curriculum, you know, because I believe parents and other concerned citizens can learn this. And our model isn't like we're, you know, we're just a small organization. Just people can use the materials. And, and they can set up a chapter of our organization. I mean, they don't have to use our materials or other programs out there that are absence-centered too, and teach these materials. And of course, the best thing is parents let their children know, but other groups like uh, ours can, um, of course, increase awareness, but also teach these materials in schools. Of course, it can be taught in churches too. So, um, that's what I wanted to share and also get your feedback on it. I, I think it's, uh, it's excellent, Richard. Um, I mean, I think, I think those points are good overview points. I, I think for me, some of the materials you brought up, especially the, the very practical, I mean, I, I think the stuff about the role-playing um, is, is really, really important. And, and it ties in with what Stephanie was saying about you know, teaching, teaching children um, not to be victims, to, to feel that they have, uh, can take control of their lives. Um, so that, that relates to that, that uh, how to deal with the emotional pressure. Um, so I, th I think it's good. So I think part of the problem is in, in the general media, abstinence education, I mean, a lot of people reflect what that teacher um, was 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 saying that you know absence education is basically just say no and telling kids to just say no doesn't work. But I mean, what you have laid out there is is a very full program showing negative consequences of uh, of of early sexual behavior and positive consequences of of going a different way, and and I think that's important to bring to bring out that. Yeah, what, what you said about the true freedom, that actually to be uh, a person who, who is, um, yeah, uh, uh, spiritually centered uh, in, in Stephanie's terms, uh, this is the type of life you, you will lead. Um, and, and, you know, examples like that, uh, the couple, the young lady who's a Harvard graduate, uh, uh, th this, is, this is the type of success it can lead to if your abstinence is part of a whole life vision. I respect myself. I'm looking for a certain uh, quality of relationship uh, in my marriage. I'm looking for a relationship that will be, you know, a, a, a lifelong thing that I'm committed to. And that goes together with achieving other goals. I don't know if you could bring some more of those type of points out in that sort of overview statement. Uh, 
Yeah, that's my comment. Probably, probably, I just picked a few of the slides. There's a lot of interesting, but yeah, achieving goals, yeah. Yeah, goal setting is something that's definitely in the program, asking the um, students like what their goals are, that they'd like to accomplish, uh, different activities, like thinking about what kind of skills you need to be a parent. Yeah, and just, um, yeah, that's a good point you make. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's just a few of the things, but yeah. Richard? Yes. Uh, I have a, a comment. Um, oh, yes, go right ahead. Uh, I wrote an article called Understanding Spiritual Sex. And um, I, I think one thing that you might add for, and, and this was written for parents, how to empower your child. Mm -hmm. And I've got 12 tips on that. And just taking a few of them here, um, parents really need to talk to their children at an early age about sex. And I know that's kind of a, still a taboo subject for parents to talk to their kids. But for example, uh, you can start as early as five or six years old and talk to children about no one touches you in an area covered by your bathing suit. Uh, because a lot of children don't realize uh, that most of the promiscuous behavior or the abusive behavior with kids, sexual, you know, uh, that happens to children uh, by per people that they know. Mm, right, right, right. It isn't, it isn't about a stranger doing this. Right. It's about the uncle or, or uh, the boyfriend or, uh, so parents really right. need to talk to their kids. If you've got a live-in boyfriend um, about, you know, making sure and, and, and reinforcing that. And uh, I, there's a film that's available that I think every parent should watch. It's only 17 minutes long and it's called Groomed, G-R-O-O-M-E-D. And that's on YouTube. And it was uh, made by an 18-year-old uh, young man. And um, it's a very good film. And I, I really think that people should understand what grooming is all about because it's not like they just come and sexually abuse children. It's that they condition them so they can, uh, uh, and, and then they keep them quiet. I have interviewed so many uh, women on my show uh, that have been groomed, didn't know they were being groomed, but they were groomed and abused. And uh, uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Barbara Jo Hansen, uh, and she was molested by her pastor. Uh, and she didn't understand what was going on and she thought it was acceptable. We really need to talk because we've got a tremendous amount of abuse going on uh, and people watching it on the internet. Well, uh, yeah, you know, can I interject yeah, one thing? Please you know, do. you talked about, I think that movie about um, on Netflix, I don't have Netflix, but uh, Athlete A, what I was reading about that and listened to other articles and things when, you know, previously about the uh, Dr. Nasser and the Olympians. Here's what I'm getting at. So he was supposedly examining these Olympians and they knew something was wrong because, you know, he was touching them sexually and their genitals and stuff. But yet maybe some of them weren't quite sure, you know, you know what I'm saying? I saw some of the comments like, 
they didn't report somehow. Anyway, go ahead if you have any thoughts on that. Well, uh, that's part of the problem. Uh, the, the, the girls, see, they trusted their trainer and the trainer is part of this, the system of, of athletics there, you know, the, uh, and, and when you have a trusted person and adults trust them, uh, you're supposed to, as a child, supposed to trust them too. So it's confusing to them unless they have specific information on what's going on and people talk to them about, you know, regardless. And this is where your instincts come in. If you feel something is wrong, uh, you, you need to listen to those instincts because these girls said this didn't feel right to me, but everybody else was going along with it. So they didn't speak up. So it's critical that we encourage people to understand their own spiritual power and understand that and, and give them some you know, specific uh, guidelines so that they will not become victims. Something that compounds that problem, Stephanie, which I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, is in, in those situations, if one child speaks out and it's some sort of authority figure, a trainer, a pastor, whatever, um, they deny it, tell a story, yeah. and, and, and the, the, the abused child is not, is not believed. And that probably True. has at least as much, if not more damaging uh, effect on, on them than, than the initial abuse. Um, the, the, can I just ask your, your article, uh, Understanding Spiritual Sex, uh, is that on your website? Would you find it? It is. There? Good. Yes, okay. it is. Thanks. And uh, there are some other tips here that might be of interest. I, I really think it's important for, uh, I talk about, I, I use the word spiritual sex because uh, years ago, kings would not um, marry any, any girl that wasn't a virgin. And uh, the reason for that is because they knew that when they had sex, uh, it was a spiritual bonding between two people. And that's what young people don't understand. The more sexual relationships you have with uh, different partners, the less likely you are to bond with one person. So it is critical if we wanna strengthen families that they understand more about their own sexuality and their spiritual sex, if you will. I've been in the like absence-centered education field. You know, I, I, I heard about it around the late 90s, 1990s, <laughs> yeah, since 1997. That's when I kind of hit the streets. Our daughter was in elementary. I even went to her school. And at that time, elementary was still in sixth grade. So the principal, even at that school, you know, I was in DC said, uh, yeah, no, I want the sixth graders to hear this and so on. And, and then worked with middle and high school. But what I'm getting at is that it's just not like, it's just not common for people to talk about it. I'm not so sure parents are emphasizing enough with their children. Mm -hmm. Probably that's the core problem. Yes. And it's just like, I don't, uh, it seems like it's just so super critical. We do need kind of really a revolution and people need, all kinds of people need to be talking about it. So I'm not just talking about, I mean, of course, I believe, you know, bring the education to the schools, but obviously one aspect of it is that knowing, first of all, that it's important, you know. You know, and one thing is that uh, 
men's weakness is sex. But guess what women's weakness is? Love? No, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> Tempting men. I see. So look at all the temptresses and how they dress. And how, and Hollywood is a great example of this. And uh, you wonder why we have a society following uh, movie stars. I think that's changing a bit, uh, but uh, the temptresses are all around us. Ch people even dress children sexually. Right. Uh, which is, uh, so we need to educate ourselves and educate others because uh, this is a huge problem and it's probably one of the most important issues that we can discuss um, because our children commit suicide over this. They have relationships. They don't understand the bonding, especially women bond with men that they have sex with. Um, and uh, men do the same thing, but you know they go from one to, to another and oh my goodness. Yeah, we have a big problem, of course, venereal disease and pregnancy and the whole bit. So uh, parents need to uh, uh, really be much smarter about what's happening. And, uh, I'm hearing stories of children having sex in middle school, for heaven's sakes. This is mind-boggling. Okay, yeah, I've got the work cut out. Um, anyway, I'm thinking, you know, not thinking. I mean, I've been active in it, but I want to also, I've moved now to West Virginia some years now. Obviously, you know, I've started approaching the schools, but I don't, uh, you know, want to, we have like a chapter model where other people can become a chapter and use our materials and just do it locally. So I see it as a very decentralized thing that at least that's our model where people can do it in their local communities. Okay, well with that, I'd like to I see, um, uh, I'd like to welcome April, April Gillard to um, join us. And she's gonna uh, share also, uh, you know, on the topic, strengthening families, communities, the protective effect of true, of true parents and April, welcome.